are live. Hello to all my guys, gals, and non-binary pals of audio podcast land. And welcome to the first official episode of Brave New Wild, a junior Braves of the Apocalypse. I'm your game master. I, You know what? No, I'm your scout master, as the book likes to call it. God, that's weird. I am your scout master, Mikey, who will be leading in a collected group of players through this romp of teenage angst and zombie apocalypseness. You can follow me all over the social medias at Pop Culture Geek. You can also follow all of us collectively at Vibe Tribe Productions, where you're going to want to give us a follow in order to see what we are up to for season two. Because, woo, howdy, do we have a lot of projects going on? Of course, I am never alone in this endeavor. I am joined by my fabulous cast of players. We're going to go around real quick. They're going to introduce themselves, where you can find them. And for my players tonight, I want to know what is one thing you're looking forward to either tonight in this campaign. Give me your first impressions. The gods have decided, which by gods, the dice I just rolled right now, that eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Amador, the dice has decided you shall be the first to go. Hello, everyone. It's Amador, your favorite not-so-normal, normal guy. I don't do much, but I am here on the Vibe Tribe and a nice handful of shows. I'm in our Sunday show for Call of the Deep as your ankle-biting goblin Corvus. I am an Astartes on Mondays. On Tuesdays, I'm your weird Warforge with that lax of mouth and most body functions. But today I'll be playing a Boy Scout, and what I look forward to in this game is all the tension between the people who want to survive, and not us within the group, but the outside elef- elements, other human beings. That's the terrifying part. Other people. We were the monsters all along. <laughs> this is, I'm so excited. Alrighty, next person to give this their introduction is going to be Kellen. Hey, I'm Kellen, also the Celtic Wyver King. You can find me on Twitch and TikTok under the same. It's Celtic's down with a K. I actually perform with Mikey over on Mondays on AH Adventures for Gods of Relay, where we've had some fun over there, especially with the slight roasting session last game. But uh, yeah. Excellent. This next person, I would consider and call them the Marathon Man for Vibe Tribe because he was in everything except for one game in season one, and he's still around because... Lord knows that he's just as much as a mad lad as I am. And so the one, the only, Joshua. Hello, hello, everybody. It is I, Josh. You may also know me as MG Preacher if you have listened in on our season one games. But yeah, I'm also going to be in some of these season two games. Of course, this one. The other ones, you'll have to go and listen to to find out if I'm there. But uh, yeah, I'm ready to get this going. Uh, if anybody knows me IRL, they know I've always liked the whole zombie apocalypse stuff. So let's see if I can survive it. I'm sure nothing crazy will happen. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You know what I'm saying? Preacher sure will remember <laughs> this. Oh, no. What did I do? We're going to turn this into a telltale game. Dang it. <laughs> you. C- this next person, you can find me giving them grief on two separate season two games. But he is also a foundation to this whole operation, and I cannot do anything without him because he is awesome. The one and only Chris, as he has food in his mouth. (laughs) 
I just had my dinner. Hello, everybody. <laughs> this is Chris, also known as Riku. You can find me on the social media as Pup Riku or Puppy Riku. You can also find me DMing here on the Vibe Tribe on the Crystal City and the Academy, as well as playing in this game, playing in A Walk Among Gods and Tavern Tales. And also check out our Season 1 games, where I'm on a bunch of those as well. As for what I'm looking forward to this, I am just looking forward to reliving my Boy Scout days in a very different environment. I'm excited. And for the listening audience, you're going to get this a lot. But I was like, if you couldn't tell from Chris's statement right there, he's old. No, I'm just kidding. Listen, I'm still in my 20s, so I can give you all the grief I want. Bitch demonetized no i'm just kidding <laughs> nah we're past the two minute mark we should be fine keyword being should be <laughs> and of course last but certainly not least at least for tonight this is the homie you can check him out on all other games as well as a couple of the actual podcasts that we have going on he has become a really good friend of mine and i love this individual with all my heart the one and only adolfo Programmas and welcome. I am Adolfo the Nerdy Puerto Rican, and I am here to play some Brave New Worlds. I'll be that guy that messed to it. Um, you can also find me on some other uh, Season 2 projects. I play over Neon Memories, and I play over at the Academy, and we also hang out as the Divergence and uh, talk a little talkity talk. And I am looking forward to my first botch roll, because we all know how I like to botch rolls. Ah, uh, this is going to be really fun. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'll say, Adolfo, I may have you beat in botch rolls as Mikey can attest to on Mondays. The law of averages is not his friend and it is spectacular to watch. It's so good. Unfortunately, we are missing a player tonight. Our other Chris, a.k.a. Sutfin, could not join us tonight, but he sends his well wishes and regards to the cast and to you, listen, the audience. But don't fret my friends he will be back with us for the next session and you get to hear everything so this is gonna be a good time all righty so let's get into this proper before we begin our story we still have some remnants of this is still gonna be a good time so for the listening audience last time when we had brave new wild we ended up doing character creation, and one of the last things we did before we signed off for the episode was establish bonds between our troop. Now, at the time of that recording, everyone had picked somebody, but we still had one more person that needed to go. So, Adolfo, this is going to be fun. Spoiler, it's me. Yes. I just need to go. If you couldn't tell. Nah, I love you, man. All righty. So before we jump into the story proper, we do need to have Adolfo establish a bond with any of our other Braves as what they are known in this universe. Instead of Boy Scouts, they are known as Braves. Adolfo. So the first thing that you're going to want to keep in mind is who would you like to have an establishing relationship with? Can I guess the I guess it has to be one specific person. It can't just be everybody. Okay, so let me put it this way: because y'all are a troop, you guys are familiar with each other, but you are now. Here's the kicker. So this is the fun part. So the person you pick, you can either be on 
good terms or bad terms with this person. So everyone is familiar with each other in the troop. You just have a more deeper connection, either a positive or negative way with another with somebody else here. Okay. Hates me. Okay. Um, did we f- did we find anything out last week about anybody else's character, or is it uh, is everyone kind of gone? So let me. S- so I drew a map right of the connections. So let's spill this tea real quick. <laughs> okay. So as a refresher, when we did Bonds last episode, we, without me doing anything or coaxing anybody, y'all really went in a circle. (laughs) So we ended up starting with Josh's character. So Josh's character picked Amandor. They are on good terms. And we came up that Josh's bully character stopped Amandor from getting his money robbed at lunchtime. Then from there, yeah, so Amador picked Chris and they are on bad terms. And Amador's prompt is that Amador would throw Chris's character under the bus at a given notice. Chris ended up picking Kellen. They are on good terms. And for some odd reason, they shouldn't get along. But these two characters do. So that's always a fun one. Kellen ended up picking Sutfin. They are on bad terms and they're the prompt that ended up getting picked for Kellen was that Kellen's character doesn't think that there's something right with Sutton Finn's character. We don't know what that is yet, but only time will tell. Sutton Finn picked, picked you and you two are on bad terms. And for some reason, Sutton Finn resents your character for something that happened a year ago. <laughs> I said his hockey team was the worst hockey team ever. Oh my gosh. How dare you? It's a hockey rivalry. <laughs> I'll talk it's this so over with. I'll talk this over with Sullivan, but in my, yeah. in my mind's eye, it's a hockey rivalry. That's what it is. Uh, oh, that's as, so as, perfect. As you'll see later when I introduce my character. Uh, so now that just leaves to you. So you can pick any character to have a bond with, and then you decide whether it's good or bad, and then we'll get into the rolling aspect for that. Sullivan is five. You know, what? I'll go. Let me go with Josh's character. Heck yes. Also, Hi. also, by the way, Adolfo, by picking Josh's character, you all literally created a circle. <laughs> OK, so now Adolfo. This is going to be the fun bit. So is your character on good or bad terms with Josh's character? Can I waited with bated breath? Can I roll on this bonds table in the book? The reason I ask if you're on good or bad terms, because there are Two different tables, one for good, one for bad. But you know what? Roll it, and then you decide. Oh, oh, yeah. right, so let me do this this whole thing. You. you know. All right. So heads is good, and tails is bad. So let's. Do oh that. God, it's this. Tails bad. Okay, All so right. Go. <laughs> Roll the d twenty, and let's see what happens. Everybody hates me. You okay. are the bully. I'm not a bully. I'm just. A rough guy, but I try to help people. Twelve. I never want to be alone with Josh's. Oh, shit. (laughs) Do we want to expand upon that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we do. Let me actually talk it over with Josh first, and then we'll we'll revisit that. But yeah, he doesn't want to be alone with with Josh's character. Oh, this is going to be good. Now I'm going to be like, now you two have to be alone together. 
Josh, do you want to have a hockey rivalry as well? I don't like sports. <laughs> That's good enough. You could just say hockey sucks. There you go. Because for my character, hockey is, other than three-quarter socket wrenches, hockey is blood. If your character is not... Hey, give me, give me two, two hockey teams here for this scenario. Like, what's the two biggest hockey rivals that's going on in this town? Oh, dude, I'll tell you what. If you would, your character... Because even though like, I don't know anything about sports, I am willing to go the team rival aspect if, with you. If your character could be a Canadiens fan, a Montreal Canadiens fan, that would... That's it right there. You know what? Screw it. I don't know anything about, about the bloody sport, but I'll do it. I'll do it. Sweet. Excellent. All right, there we go. Oh, this is going to be so beautiful. Alrighty. Okay, so now that we've gotten that out of the way, full disclaimer to my players and to the listening audience, I forgot to do one thing when we were at character creation, and that was to describe a little bit about the world we're about to enter. I got so excited that I forgot to tell them what exactly the location and everything is based on. So this is going to be a fun one. Alrighty. So. The town that all of you inhabit is a little quaint, picturesque, if you will, small little town in this version of New Mexico. <laughs> so this game is going to be taking place in a fictionalized version of New Mexico. More specifically, the town that which you all live in and you call your home is a small little town known as Sequoia Falls. So Sequoia Falls, again, since this game is taking place in the modern-ish era, this is probably the closest thing you could get to a hybrid of a metropolitan town where it's still very like very comfy laid back if you were to throw like the indie genre of acoustic music onto this thing that's exactly what the atmosphere is going for it's very laid back very otherworldly so to speak but within the last couple of years or so it has received a shot of revitalization as this small little traditional kind of pueblo town has also caught up with the times and has a lot of the modern intricacies plastered amongst what remains of the old school. So what I mean by that is very tech friendly. It's what happens when you mix Silicon Valley, but actually make it livable is essentially what it is. So this is a small little town that has caught up with the times and is integrated still small town feel, but has the amenities that any Silicon Valley visitor or techie bro, if you want to use a better term for it, would be able to do. Now, granted, because it is New Mexico, we're currently in the spring, so it's not too bad right now in terms of the weather. It's a little warm, probably closer into the mid to high 80s. It is very sunny for sure. But all of you are used to it. You just got to remember that for some of you, you should probably want to wear some sunscreen. I feel like that was pointed at me. Not it necessarily. <laughs> Listen, we support people on this podcast, but we also are very honest here because let's be honest, like all of us need sunscreen because we all burn. And as a resident in the hot, sunny California sun, it hurts. 
But well, yeah, I you guys. <laughs> I, this is going to be fun. But yeah, so that's essentially just a little bit of information. Now, this little town of Sequoia Falls has all the amenities that you could think of. Shops, auto shops, like thrift stores, ma and pa types of shops. There's also school, which funny enough, Sequoia Falls is one of the few places in this world that still has the combined junior high and high schoolers in the same building. So all of them are in the same building, but the school that you all attend to is two story school on the first floor is all of the lower grades. So your middle schoolers, six in, in this case, six. Fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth, because there are some schools out there that include fifth grade and all that. And then on the upper floors are the high schoolers. So ninth through twelfth grade. So that's also something for you to think of with your characters is depending on their age. Y'all could figure out which grade that you are. I also think it's funny that you might be older, but you got held back and you're forever an eighth grader. <laughs> it's fun. I keep getting confused by the uh, the high school football coaches. It's, hey, wh why aren't you coming to practice? In middle school. <laughs> high schooler yet. Uh -uh. I'm big boy. Listen, I'm telling you, man, like, I've been seeing these eighth graders out here, and I was just like, what are they feeding you? <laughs> oh, no, you should have seen, this is back when I was still a shift leader my job in, over in Aberdeen, and I had an employee under me who was, hold on, this was... Three years ago. So, yeah, I was like 22, 23. And he was a good head and a half taller than me. And he was only 18. I'm 6'3. Uh, this is going to be sad. But yeah. So, essentially, that's the major school. And really, because it is a small town, that's really the only school. It's, the population of this town is no more than maybe 2,000 people that live here. So, 2,000 people is still a lot in my mind, but for a small town population, it does track. It's not like a major metropolitan area like Los Angeles, Seattle, Chicago to a certain extent, New York. Listen, I have my parent. One of my parents is from the East Coast, so I can get away with saying that. <laughs> Let's see what else. And of course, even though that Sequoia Falls is a very modern upscale city, it is still surrounded by a lot of the national forests in your little town. And that is actually where you are all currently. Minus Sutfin's character. So Sutfin's character actually couldn't make it to this week-long campy trip because he caught the cold before it was time to go. So unfortunately, before you all had left the week prior, you all were told by your scoutmaster, which we'll meet in a little bit. And this is going to be fucking great. I'm so excited. <laughs> you were all informed by your brave leader that he couldn't make it because he got sick. But he would is looking forward to hearing all the stories of the campy trip when you all return. Which means that he is currently in town. So this is going to be very interesting, especially with the turn of events that are about to unfold. So, why not we lift the curtain a little bit and jump into the story officially proper? We find ourselves, it is a wee bit early in the morning, as the sun begins to rise over the mountain range, and it begins to 
touch down onto the dense forest of Sequoia Falls National Forest. We find ourselves in a small little campground area with a few tents hitched up, some more sturdy and successful than others. <laughs> but as the sun begins to caress the tents aside, we start to hear a little bit of rumbling. So it is currently about six o'clock in the morning, which is the standard time for most of you to be up and getting breakfast ready. But because this is the last day of the trip and all you're really doing is packing up before heading back home to town, your scout, your brave master, I got to remember it's brave, not scout, because I want to keep calling it scout. <laughs> your brave master allowed you guys to stay up a little bit later and would take care of breakfast and that everything would be ready to go when you awoke. So as the embrace of sleep begins to disperse and the rude awakening that is the morning sun begins to beat on your tents, all of these start to stir some quicker than others. So let's introduce our characters proper. So as we see on one particular tent, the first person to stir awake a little bit is going to actually be Chris's character. So, Chris, why don't you give us officially your character's name and a little bit of description of what they look like and remind the folks what trope that you're playing? Yes, awake. Uh, young little CJ Williams. He is 13 years old. The trope that I chose is the jock, but not your ordinary jock, not a football player, not a basketball or anything like that. He is more in track and field, gymnastics, and such like that. He is a slender, a very skinny boy who, ha with, at this morning, pretty frizzled, pretty frizzled blonde hair. It's like between that stage of being too long, of being long enough to like brush out and stuff and being short enough to just let it do. Almost like how my hair is, like just nutsy. He, and he's, as he's waking up, he's wearing a What This World's Power Rangers shirt would be with, with basketball shorts on as he wakes up and gets ready for the day excellent Alrighty, so cj as you are getting ready you hear the very tumultuous and loud snoring that was your <laughs> your tent buddy for the week amador why don't you introduce your character proper and <laughs> cj's <laughs> tent buddy for the week so give C us CJ is also sitting there as he wakes up, clutching the pillow, looking at Amador's character, <laughs> snoring away. So you see my character like toss and turn and then like his eyes like, like snap open as he like rises like Dracula out of his casket and looks to CJ. And that's when we get to get a good look at a little bit more like aesthetically chubby, like Hispanic kid brown eyes 
black hair, tannish skin, and he is going to go by Arturo Luis Jimenez Rivera Jr. Or, as everyone in the scout group calls him, Artie or AJ. He is age 14. Oops, I dropped something. And he's going to have drool coming out of the side of his, his face, and his shortish hair is like all crazy. He's he does suffer in the morning. He has really bad bed head and he looks at CJ and he's like, what? He doesn't do that. And wipe his face at the same time as he like climbs out of the tent and, and looks at the sun and goes, ugh. And yeah. And Artie, remind the audience what your trope is. <laughs> oh, my bad. And I'm the oddball. <laughs> if that wasn't abundantly clear. <laughs> oh my goodness. That is glorious. Yeah, so Artie, as you're waking up, CJ, you also are witnessing this. So over the last week or so, your Brave Master randomly put you all together for some odd reason. Like he split you all up as random as it could come and you two ended up getting stuck together. So while your time together may have been very interesting, CJ, you are ready to go home. You've gotten used to Artie snoring a little bit, but you, you're kind of glad that you're about to head home so you don't have to cover your ears with another pillow and you don't have to fall asleep at like seven o'clock in the evening before Artie can. Yeah, I can see CJ. CJ's had a rough week just in terms of he definitely looks very tired, very sluggish, very unkept right now and he is just after seeing Artie wake up he just gets up and just starts slowly walking out of the tent into the bright sun of the morning i'm just imagining like vampire status as soon as you open the tent door in the center (laughs) exactly (laughs) oh he totally does that he totally does that oh my goodness this is gonna be so much fun all righty so Artie and CJ, you guys are one of the first to awaken, at least in terms of your other braves. As you open the tent, CJ, you notice that across the campground, already bright and early, already dressed, making breakfast, is this very haggard older gentleman. He's got the salt and pepper gray going on. He looks to be, if you look at his facial features, you could see the bags under his eyes a little bit. You could see the wrinkles and the dip and like the sunspots cascading in different areas of the facial feature. He also has this very unkempt, grizzled like beard combo going on as well. And for both you, CJ, and for both you two, Artie, you know this to be your brave leader, a one Padre Pio. So, to give you a little bit of information on the good old Padre. (laughs) So, as the title claims, yes, while he is no longer a man of the cloth, he was a priest at one point. (laughs) But how do we put this politely? Padre Pio is very old school when it comes to a lot of things. He's very, and when old school, he's just very gruff. And he is no nonsense and he just tells it as it is, which may or may not have got him a little bit of trouble with some of the congregation. Though I will say, despite him no longer being a priest, the 
town of Sequoia Falls respects the hell out of this man because despite his gruff demeanor and his lack of a better term to keep some things to himself, and this man curses every other five words, but y'all are used to it. The town does knees, but swears like a stable boy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the town of Sequoia Falls respects the hell out of the good old Padre, and they still call him that despite him no longer being a man of the cloth. But despite his rough exterior, you all have gotten to know him and you do know that he does have a good heart underneath it. And he's very well intentioned and he would all and he promises to always keep you guys safe. It's just that you understand that upon first impression, you're like, who the hell is this dude? (laughs) But as you two begin to get out and CJ as you're walking over Padre kind of looks at you and just says rough night I see just grumbling and nonsensical noise coming out of CJ's mouth as he sits down at the picnic table just staring at the table below him waiting for food to just magically appear under his face and the Padre just looks at you CJ alrighty it seems we're not going to be using no words today was it really that bad? <laughs> On that, CJ whips his head, turns his head really quickly towards Padre. You can see the bloodshot eyes, the droopy eyelids, the held back anger behind him with this very toothy fake smile on. Just almost like, yeah, CJ, there's no, I understand. There's no need to be a smart ass kid. <laughs> And he just rubs his hand on your bed, he- already messed up bedhead hair. Yeah. <laughs> he just like shakes, shakes his head even more. At this point, Artie, you make your way to the breakfast table as well. And pa- Padre just just looks at you and gives you a smirk. Good morning, Artie. I'm assuming uh, you slept better than this one right here as he tilts his head in CJ's direction. Yeah, Definitely. And he's going to do himself a little good morning stretch. I think it's just that he put his sleeping bag down at like the wrong angle. Maybe it was like an incline. He's kind of like weird. Maybe it was even a rock. I don't know. I don't get it. CJ, while you're saying all this, CJ's head is just turning towards you with this angry gaze. You could almost hear like the grinding as his neck turns. Like, th- that kind of evil... Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> I didn't know someone can do a perfect impression of an 18-wheeler truck in their sleep. That's pretty impressive. I want to know who that is. He slowly turns his head back away from you. I don't think he's in a good mood. <laughs> I don't even know why. You know what, Artie? We're going to... We're going to leave that one alone once he has some food in him and we get ready to go. I think he'll be all right. (laughs) I agree. I agree. At least the two of you are up now. I am more than willing to serve everyone else. And those little lovable losers of ours decide to wake up. So we cut to the next tent. Adolfo. Your character begins to stir awake. As you start to hear the commotion of Padre and your fellow Braves, CJ and Artie, 
Why don't you give us a description of your character, their age, and remind the folks the trope you're playing is. All right. So let me set the scene first. The tent begins to unzip, right? And this uh, this 15-year-old, really small frame, almost makes him look like he's 12, but he is 15. He's not skinny, but he's not, and he's still chubby, but it's that, it's that like fat that like in the, those prepubescent years is waiting to turn into muscle type thing. He, he sticks his head out and on his head, he has a Boston, a Boston Red Sox cap, which is fucking just, just sun stained and sweat stained to all hell. Like he's had this thing since he, he came out of the womb with this thing on, right? His face, he's got some freckles. Right. He, he, as he sticks his head out, he blinks. Right. And he looks around. He goes, cheese and fucking rice. Why isn't there a fucking donkeys around here? Oh God. So he slowly unzips the tent and, and opens it up. Right. And as he goes to exit the tent, he stumbles over that bottom, like lip of the tent. If anyone's ever been in tent, it's, it, there's six inches of cloth that's stretched out there. He trips over mm-hmm. that. Right. And he's just, ah, for fuck's sake. The fuck. Someone needs to fucking put that shit on lock. He zips it back on. And uh, he's, uh, he is also wearing a, a Boston Bruins jersey. It's a 1986 Boston Bruins away jersey and a pair of cargo shorts, right? And, uh, and like the hiking boots. This is Bobby McGillicuddy. Yes! Recently, I love the last name! Recently moved here from the city of Boston with his grandparents and they've been here about a year. Not saying that Bobby's the new kid, he's for the area. He's still relatively new. And as he walks up to the table, he looks over the, the other two and he's like, Mon and CJ, Mon and, Mon and AJ. Hey Padre, I, I didn't get stung by a fucking scorpion. So I guess that's a wicked fucking good thing, huh? Yeah, yeah, it is. But Bobby, what the fuck did I tell you about that language of yours? <laughs> what are you fucking talking about? What are you talking about? I just came out here this morning. There's not even any fucking coffee made. And you're already all my shit. Why? Artie and CJ, you two are used to this kind of thing because the Padre could go toe to toe with anyone. But Bobby is the one that has Bobby is the one that kind of has is on the same level as Padre when it comes to everything. So this is a normal thing (laughs) to see. Padre turns to you, Bobby, and is just like, yeah, all right. And just puts a cup in front of you. All no, right. I promise. Okay, it's like, now my verbiage will be turned to at least PG-13, so you'll only get one more fuck. Sips coffee. Well, and he accidentally spilled some of the coffee on him. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, and then Padre turns to you, Bobby, and says, yeah, better fucking hope. Again, for the listening audience, you go ahead. <laughs> After Padre says that really quick, right? Bobby goes to take another sip. And he's, yeah, that's right. I'm a fucking angel. What do you want? Yeah, Bobby. Just make sure your mother doesn't know that I gave you coffee because you already know how she is with that whole kind of thing. Yeah, Padre, Graham, I know you set those googly eyes of yours over on my fucking grandma, okay? But she's not my mama, okay? All right? And we won't go there about my fucking parents right now or else I'm going to really fucking start cursing. But yeah, you just like, and don't be calling my grandma your mama, because that, that's just fucking weird. Oh, I'm sorry. And Padre does mean this out of respect. Sorry, I didn't mean to say mother. Is that better? 
No, yeah, that, that that's good. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's not all cute and sweet and cutesy like a your stereotypical abuelita would be. She would she fucking beats the crap out of me with a broomstick every chance she gets. But I see what you're saying. So I appreciate that. You're a good fucking egg, Padre. You're a good fucking egg. Yeah, let's not tell your abuelita about this because yeah. Listen, that woman has a heart of gold. She also has a she has a pitch of a three major league baseball players. I still don't understand how she gets the chakla to aim where it needs to go. Chaklas are magical items. Don't you know? As CJ is saying this with the, while he is eating. Yeah, at this point, all of the troop at one point or another has been on the receiving end of Abuelita's chakla. So everybody knows. So that was actually me as Riku saying that. But okay, yeah, CJ can say this as well. Because Bobby, he sips, and as he t- sips another cup, of, uh, another sip of coffee, he like nods at what CJ says. Is yeah, you fucking CJ. By the way, why the fuck do you look like the shit end of the fucking Porter John? Did you fucking sleep on a rock last night? I think it's because he slept on the rock. His gaze just snaps back at you, AJ. <laughs> Oh, and then Bobby looks at AJ's. Oh, that's right. You fucking sound like a tractor trailer on the fucking mass turnpike when you're fucking sleeping, AJ. Sounds like several. It's like fucking rush hour. I don't even know what you And as soon as he says, as soon as he says fucking, he like covers his mouth. Oh, Padre, get the holy fucking water. No, mames. Look at this guy. Oh, my God. So Padre looks at you, CJ, and it's just the drill. And, like, from his little pocket, he takes out, like, an Altoids tin, pops it open, and inside you just see a bunch of plethora of quarters in that thing. It's cough it up, CJ. He goes back to grumbling under his breath nonsensical words and stuff as he drops a quarter into the tin. Bobby seeing the tin will we'll, we'll look at Potter and say, all right, I know, I gotta pay my fucking penance for my fucking shit. I'm going to go uh, pop the hood and make sure that the bu- that the bus doesn't break down on us on the way home again. All right. I'll be over on underneath the hood and uh, he'll turn and start walking towards the like van bus because Bobby's a tinkerer and he grew up in a mechanics family. So he's going to go make sure that the van because it's like your stereotypical scout van is usually like a hand me down of a hand me down of a hand me down. It's like runs on duct tape and stuff. So he's going to make sure that they don't get stranded in the Sensor. wilderness. Since our brave master is a former Padre, literally it runs on duct tape and a prayer. Oh my God. Listen, and this is still true to this day. So to give a little peek behind the curtain of your brave master here. So literally, if anyone has ever been a part of any form of religious organization, youth group, you want to call it. That's literally how nine out of ten of these trips go. It's it's we're riding on some sketchy ass bus. It's just like that's being held by duct tape, hope, and desperation. If I can add, Michael, from experience, fucking the bus at Trinity. <laughs> bless that bus. Bless that bus. It saw us through a lot of things, but at the same time, though, there were like numerous times where I thought this was the last trip and we were gonna die. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, but thank my. goodness, yeah, thank goodness CJ is here. <laughs> Jay, Artie, and Bobby, thank you. Bobby. Yeah, so with coffee in hand, Bobby goes over to the bus and begins to make sure that the duct tape is still holding up, as well as to make sure that it doesn't die. So thanks to Bobby, 
opening, popping the hood, making sounds and cursing ever so slightly as he's working on the bus. That is enough to stir our two remaining braves that are currently in this tent. As I volunteer to th- go last, by the way. Oh, uh, okay. The dice is determined for you to go last, but all right. <laughs> oh, okay. But no, you're going next now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so with Bobby with an earshot, the final tent begins to stir awake as wake to the world of the living. So the first of the two to come up to half asleep, half awake, so to speak, as they're trying to greet the morning sun. Kellen, why don't you give us an introduction to your character, a little bit about what they look like, name, age, all that good stuff. Yeah, so as the how afraid, cacophony of profanity goes back and forth between Bobby and the Padre mainly from Bobby. Alex wakes up. He's got massive bedhead. Like he's got kind of like a sh- like really curly hair so it looks like a bedhead all the time anyway. But he like slowly climbs out of the tent. And when it comes to general build, I've been trying to think of how I'll do this, but especially considering somehow on good terms with CJ, you know may not be. I want to Alex think pre serum Steve Rogers if he was 16 years old in terms of body build. Like, not too tall, not too short, like, pretty much no muscle, but he still does all sorts of stupid stuff anyway. But he just, like, half walks, half drags his feet as he goes to find a bush after he wakes up. And he just kind of just mumbling, going, Ugh. And then, for those who d- didn't listen to the first, uh, our, our character creation, Alex is the adventurer. Awesome. And then, I might have missed it, but how old is Alex? <laughs> oh, that's what I was saying, like, if he, if Cat, Steve Rogers was 16, because that was the age I'm making Alex. When I was saying, like, the pre-serum version. Dang. Ooh, this is going to yeah. be interesting. Never first double check. <laughs> Excellent. All righty. So, Alex, you are heeding nature's call, so to speak. <laughs> yep. So, you're just like, meanwhile, back to your tent. Finish off our introductions, at least for now. Give us a description of your character, name, age, what they're doing, waking up, all that good stuff, and the trope you're playing as well. So what time do we usually, are are we, quote unquote, supposed to rally in the morning? It's seven o'clock, right? Yeah, give or take. So with this whole spiel that went down between Bobby and the Padre, I'm guessing it's probably like, what, 710, 715? Give or take. Okay, perfect. So with that, there's a split second, split second of silence, and then coming from the completely opposite tent, you just hear, "Oh shit!" And then you just see somebody just rummaging around in the inside of the tent, and then all of a sudden, just Gabriel pops out of the out of the tent. Gabriel Alexander, and Gabriel is 15 years old, but. By his build, he looks like he should be about 17, 18. He gets confused by the football coach back at school all the time because he wants him to play some football, and he's not old enough because he's not in high school yet. And with Gabriel's just saying, oh, shit. And when he steps out, he's got the, uh, the khaki cargo pants. He's got boots that's laced up to the T. His hair is, think of these stereotypical, I almost like marine high and tight haircut. And 
Gabriel doesn't take five steps out of the tent before he drops down to the ground and starts doing push-ups. And before, before you can even say what's happening, he's already knocked out like 25 push-ups, gets up, wipes his hands off, and he starts head, heading over to the picnic table. I'm sorry, I just laughed at this description because I shit you not. I had some friend in high school that it was exactly like that. He was junior ROTC in high, all for all in high school. And yeah, I'm just laughing because it's bringing up so many memories. <laughs> yeah, because he's this whole week, he's always been up like 10 minutes before seven. And this time he's 15 minutes late. So he's, I got to do something to make up for that. So he steps out and starts knocking out pushups like crazy. <laughs> At this point, Alex, you return from taking care of business and you just see Gabriel just on the ground doing push-ups. Yeah, as I come back from behind the tree or bush or whatever I was able to find without going, obviously going too far from the campsite. So I see Gabe on the ground just shaking my head going, it's like, dude, you didn't oversleep that much. Yeah, but I'm still late. Gotta knock him out. Morning, by the way. As he says, as he's still finishing off the last couple of push-ups. Yeah. Yeah, just Alex goes and just like kind of waltzes on over to the table, sits next to CJ, waiting for breakfast. And seeing that CJ just looks dead to the world with how tired they are. Oh my goodness. That is another thing. Gabriel does not look tired at all. Of course he wouldn't. <laughs> Alrighty. Alex, as you walk over and you sit next to CJ. The Padre just looks at you. Finally, you're awake. Help yourself, Alex. This is just a specialty of mine, which is basically just the eggs and bacon, whatever. Now, we will say one thing. Padre is, knows his way around the kitchen, whether it is an actual kitchen or on a camping trip. And you still haven't cracked the mystery as to how he can make such good food with barely anything that he brought on this camping trip. As uh, Alex is chowing down, because he may be skinny, but his metabolism is like stupid fast. Like, he just chows down, and he's going it's like, "You still got to tell me what the what you're putting in here." Oh, didn't I tell you? It's a little, it's a little bit of what do you kids call it? It's called a nunya. You hear it, CJ, even looking deadpan, just dead in face, just go. See, right, and go, and no, oh. <laughs> go, go ahead. ahead. Nah, go ahead. Go ahead. All right. I was going to say, like, hearing uh, CJ trying to stifle that laugh as best they could, Alex just turns, just, like, bumps his elbow into his arm. Ow! Hey! What? I didn't do anything. All right, Wolverine, take it on the, take it on the others, okay? Bobby's going to come back to the, to, to the table, and uh, he will look thoroughly like he's been under the hood of old bit van bus thing. And he'll look at Alex, and he'll just be like, good morning, Alex. And then he'll, like, Look over at the push-up king and be like, hey, Gabby, get fucked. And then I'll sip his coffee. Upon hearing that, without just giving him, because I'm pulling an actual Steve Rogers here, you just hear Alex go, language. Oh, my goodness. Padraig turns over to you, Bobby, and says, hey, I let it slip once. Remember, next time. And holds out and takes the Altoid tin out and shakes it a little bit before putting it into his pocket. Capiche? Oh, all right, that godfather. And you just... Sips more coffee. He's just oh. mad that his team lost last night, sir. Oh, are you gonna fucking start now, Mister hey, Fifty? You started minutes? it, Mister Fifty. Where were you when the fucking sun was up? You were still in bed. That's right. 
You know what? We're gonna we're gonna spare our friends this whole nonsense. Okay. Thank you very fucking much. That's a quarter in the tin. Ooh. Sips coffee. Oh my gosh. This is oh. To take a brief moment, I want to say y'all are making my little heart so proud. <laughs> I love this already. Oh, that's gonna be such a shame. Oh, it's going to be a good time. So at this point, y'all find your way and converge to some of you for the first time this morning for other views, second or third time. But you all converge your way to the table in which y'all enjoy breakfast. Some of you are more alert than others. And as you guys are eating, you guys can see Padre begin to start cleaning up and washing the the pans and things like that he used and drying them, putting them back into his kit and then begins to pack everything up. And as you guys have finished, Padre just looks at you. Alrighty, Troop 202. Looks like we are almost ready to head home. Now, I want to say, before we begin dispersing to clean up and to leave this area better than we found it, I want to say that I am very proud of each and every one of you. To a certain degree or sense, but don't tell your families that, otherwise they think I'm going soft. But I want each and every one of you to know, you have made this old padre very proud with your skill set. And turns to all of you and says, now then, braves. Why don't we start cleaning up and then we can head on home as soon as we're ready. When Padre Bio says tidy up before we're getting ready to go home, all of a sudden you just see like this as much as he's smiling just immediately drops. Is it time to go home already? So Padre looks at you, Gabriel, and says, yeah, we've been out here for a week and I promise you families that I get you back on a timely manner. And thankfully, it is summer vacation, so you don't have to worry about school too much. But yeah, it's uh, unfortunately it's time to go. Actually, you know what, Gabriel, I could use your help. Why don't you help me start putting all this away over to come help him? Okay. And as Gabriel, you walk over to Padre. Padre turns to the rest of you. All right, Troop 202, now that breakfast is complete, go ahead and start putting your stuff away. Dismantle your Ted's, put it back in. Looks over at <laughs> Artie and Artie. Remember, the poles are not a play thing from the tents. You do not want another injury. It's too much paperwork that I have to fill out, and I don't want to have to explain to your mom again that you accidentally almost poked somebody's eye out. Look, Papa, look. I... Got my first aid badge for a reason, so that when I do poke someone's eye out, I can fix it. Artie, first aid yeah. is the preventive measure for things getting worse. Poking someone's eye out like you did last time was automatically shoot, shoots it up to me having to sit in the ER to make sure that our missing brave. Tr- they shouldn't have made the tent poles like swords. Just saying. Just saying. Kind of like nunchucks with the fucking the nylon between you can yeah springy kind of do that it's not my fault he gets in the range yeah yeah he fucking gets it yes yes sir padre we are gonna go and fucking clean our shit up right now 
Real nice. The distance you can hear, you can hear. They're already up to seventy-five cents. Look, just because we're Boy Scouts doesn't mean we have to act like Boy Scouts. Technically, it does. As Alex chimes in there, because as they were talking about the whole poking eye out, even though they were not the one to have the eye poked out, they still covered their eye, thinking how they almost got hit during the last time AJ attempted that. Ingasos. He almost got stabbed in the eye. I almost got stabbed in the neck. Again, range. You guys were in my kill zone. Kill zone? What do you think this is? The freaking zombie apocalypse or something? That would be so cool. I saw that new zombie movie one a few weeks ago before we came. Mom ran my ear because she didn't think there was going to be a lot of blood and gore. But I told her, Ma. Zombie I was like, Ma. What do you expect? Exactly. Exactly. And I still got in trouble. Puppies and kittens and stuff. At least they're not zombie puppy and kittens. And AJ's going to start putting up his tent. That would be really horrifying. And in the short stand, (laughs) in the short stand about going off with the whole poking an eye out in the zombie apocalypse. If anybody looks over, Gabriel's tent is already packed and rolled up. Very nice. (laughs) Alrighty. So. As you all begin to pack your tent, Gabriel, since, you know, your tent is already packed up and you were able to do it with ease. And Padre has you helping him. So as your fellow Braves go out and clean up their area, Padre is having you help him put the stuff away. And just you and him and right now, as you guys are putting the pots and pans back into the bags and getting all that ready to go to be put back into the van. Padre turns to you, Gabriel, and says, is it still that bad? Isn't it? Is it? Yeah, it's still still bad. Still pretty bad. So did your mom do what I suggested last time or she went with alternative plans again? Padre, and I told you before what this excursion started mom hasn't been around she hasn't been alive in months it was my dad that signed the papers for me to be able to come down here right and Patrick looks away for a little bit I'm sorry Gabriel this brain of mine doesn't necessarily cooperate with me most of the time so I do apologize it's okay and so For a brief moment, Padraig gets this very serious expression on his face as he looks at you, Gabriel. And for the listening audience, this is your Game Master putting up a bit of a trigger warning because things are going to get a little deep here, especially if you have been a victim of parental abuse, physically speaking. So just a fair warning. Oh boy, here we go. So Padraig... Again, serious expression turns to you, Gabriel. He hasn't hit you recently, has he? Because I told you what would happen if he did. He doesn't care. Why do you think I've exercised so much to try to build myself up? The reason why I don't think it's as bad as it used to be is because there's just more muscle now, so it doesn't hurt as much. And Padre tightened his grip on this pot that he's putting away. And without breaking concentration away from you, Gabriel, he just shakes his head. 
I warned that motherfucker that if he ever laid his hands on you again, that you would have a little bit of a stern talking to one from me. Oh, looks like I'm gonna have to invite him over some for some hot grits and give him the good old one too. And you do whatever you think is necessary, Padre. <laughs> my my dad's a marine. It's nothing gets through his thick skull. Oh well, you shall see. And he puts his hand on your shoulder, Gabriel, and just smiles and says, "Don't worry, I'll take care of it." Padre always takes care of his troop. And just smiles at you. Padre. Good. We need to finish this off, otherwise we ain't gonna get back into town until the afternoon, and traffic's gonna be a nightmare getting back onto the freeway as Padre just, like, massages his temple a little bit. When he says that, how many bags of stuff is with us that we gotta put into this van? Let's see. I will say that there were four tents, because the Three, three were being shared by the Braves. Padre had his own tent. And then however many bags each of you brought for this camping trip, as well as the extra bags that had all the food, like the ice chests and coolers that kept everything cool. There's also the extra stuff like the now they're deflated, but the rafts and the paddles and everything. So I'll say there's a good chunk of a numerous amount of bags that need to be put back into the van. Okay, with knowing that, Gabriel's going to throw his rucksack on him. And he's in one arm, he's going to grab two of the tents and his free arm. He's going to grab the big bag that's got the mess kits in it and just put those in the van. Okay. He's 15, but he's pretty strong. He looked like he'd been eating that corn fed real quick. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Then, All right. Go ahead. I was say, as that conversation was going, we're between Padre and Gabriel. Alex is going to turn to CJ and challenge him to see who can pack up their tent the quickest. Yeah. He how do you go about doing that? Do you just say do you just say it or? Yeah, I'm really going but I can do it faster than you. And. Pretty much as soon as you say that, CJ is stumbling, trying to get out from the picnic table, like, stumbling over himself, crawling, and then eventually running up into his tent and start working on it. You know what? You know what I, you know what I hear? I oh, think I knew this, you were going to this. Ah! I say that this little contest requires the first roll of this campaign. Yes! you. And that's what okay. I was hoping for. Let's okay. Go. So here's how this is going to work. So for the listening audience and my players as well, Junior Braves of the Apocalypse is using the kids on bike system in which that for anything that the players or the Braves want to do fall under six category of stats, which once again from character creation are brains, brawn, fight, light, charm, and grit. And I think because we're trying to see who is the fastest when it comes to putting their tent away, I'm going to have both of you roll your flight. So the way that it works is that during character creation, each of the each of our my players assigned a different die to it. Now, for my players, this is how it's going to work. Usually when you roll in this game, you are trying to meet a opposition level, which I will keep in mind, which is similar to DC, to a DC 
or like a challenge rating, whatever you want to call it. So usually with the Junior Braves, it's in increments of five. But because you are doing contestant rolls, it's whoever gets the fastest. Now, I will say before you start rolling, if you roll the maximum number on the die for your flight stat, you roll again. And then if it's not the highest number again, then you add those two together for a grand total. And if you keep rolling the maximum die, you keep going until you don't know more. I kid you not, and Adolfo was witness to this. We during the one during the mini series that I ran using kids on bikes, one of the players rolled like a 25 because they kept going and getting the highest number. It was glorious. Alrighty. But with that little explanation out of the way, let's get into it. So CJ and Alex, go ahead and roll your flights for me. Are we doing just straight flight or can we use our skill patches for this possibly? Okay, so what skill patch were you looking at using? I was looking at because most tents you have to tie them to bundle them. My not my not patch. I'm as much as I'm tempted to, I'm gonna say no because, in my opinion, the knot is more specifically for actual ropes and the techniques that you use when it's making ropes. So while you are tying it up with your tent. It's not necessarily something like, I don't know, making tying a knot to secure somebody if you're going to swing them across the tree or if you're doing rope climbing or even zip lining them. I'm tempted to say yes, but I'm going to say no for this time. Nope, that's fine. I figure I'd ask. I got a D20 to begin with anyway. Oh, me too. <laughs> this is a D20 versus D20. <laughs> All right. Let's have our first roll of the game. All right. CJ, what did you get? 15. Alex? <laughs> for the, I got an eight. I got eight. <laughs> yeah, for the podcast audience, the face on Kel- the face Kellen made is so priceless. But yeah, so with the 15, as the two of you are trying to quickly put your tent away, Alex, you feel like you have this in the bag. And as you're in the final stages, you turn to see how your competitor is doing. And you, your mouth just drops to the floor as you see CJ just sitting on his tent, waving and smiling at you. How's it going, buddy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it this time. Need some help? Nah, I got it. Motherfucker. And you just hear him just mumbling under his breath. <laughs> it's a little... It's My a little, loser type of mumbling. It's like Dick Dastardly's dog. It's like, fricker, 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 fricker. Pretty much. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'd love that. So, CJ and Alex, you, after having your contest, you begin putting your stuff away. So, what about, let's see. What about Bobby and Artie? What are the two of you currently doing? I, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. You first, please. Okay, I was going to start, Artie was going to start doing, like, the dishes and start, like, cleaning what they've used for breakfast and getting that, like, all situated and, like, organized and fitting containers into containers so that they don't make a a bunch of bulky room and he's just keeping them himself at this point. Okay. And then, Bobby, what are you doing? (laughs) Getting his stuff together. He gets his pack together and everything. He looks over at the two dueling cleaners and he's just kind of he just kind of like chuckles and shakes his head he then starts taking his tent down it's when 
it's time to, he takes the poles out and everything. It's when it's time to start rolling the tent up. That's when Bobby kind of like freezes up, right? And he's the better not be a fucking scorpion under this fucking thing. Oh, I swear, if there's one of these fucking invertebrate rat fucking bastards under this fucking thing, why the fuck did we have to come to Arizona? Of all fucking places, there are fucking scorpions everywhere. There's probably a fucking scorpion crawling out my fucking back, and I don't even fucking know it right now. And he's like lifting up the corner of the tent. Ah, 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 get fucked. It's okay. Okay. And then he rolls a little bit. He's like, ah, you know what? I know what I'm going to do. Strains it back out. And then he like jumps on top of the tent. He's like, ah, get the fuck out, you fucking invertebrate bastards. And then he's goes and starts rolling up his tent. Okay, so I love that. And I also love the fact that, too, I was just like, do I say this or not? No, I'll say it. I just loved it because Bobby's like, why are we camping in Arizona? I was like, we're in New Mexico, but that works, too. <laughs> I'm just imagining it is because he's, Bobby is so preoccupied with their not being a scorpion in his stuff. He's just... Totally. And also, the other thing is he's still, like, from Boston, so it's, it's all the same. It's fucking desert. The fucking scorpions. I kid you not. Like, with this whole character, I'm just like, for the reality TV fans out there, I was like, he's giving me such a teenage Boston Rob from Survivor. <laughs> yes! Yes! Holy shit! And I'm in love with it. I don't know who this person is, but okay. You're talking to the Survivor super fan over here. <laughs> so... <laughs> I haven't watched Survivor in ages. Just go look up Boston Rob Survivor and you'll know exactly what we mean. Like, right. literally, when you describe the character, I'm like, oh, this is fucking Boston Rob. And it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing, I promise. Alrighty. Damn, you are a super fan. You got the buffs and everything. God. Damn. That's what I said. I was like, damn. That's amazing. Oh my goodness, this is such a great group. Alrighty. This is why I wa was saying that I want to eventually run a game where it's like a, like a reality game show. Most excellent. You could probably do that with Cortex. Oh, this is going to be so good. Okay. So after 15, 20, 25 minutes or so, eventually everything is put back into the van. I'm just going to make it up right now. Braves, you and the Padre loves this van. But you Braves, especially to you, Bobby, this thing is you never know what you're going to get in this van. It has seen you through a many of camping trips and excursions, but it has also given you very much anxiety because you never know if you're going to die because of how beat up and old this van is. When you couple that with the fact that Padre is one of the, the most. How do we put this nicely? He's what happens when you take a New Yorker, a Southern California driver stuck in gridlock traffic and a Bostonian and you mix them into one. Like every other word is some sort of explicit this as fuck your mom, fuck your life kind of shit. And he he likes to drive defensively is the nice way of putting it. So lots of whole you y'all are holding on for dear life to the seatbelts, holding on to each other at one point. On one point, CJ, you almost got flung out of the car because the door opened suddenly. <laughs> yeah, good old the good old Big Bertha has seen you through a lot. <laughs> and that, yes, we are calling the van Big Bertha. <laughs> but you all put the luggage and everything into Big Bertha and 
Podrick just looks around, just takes in one last smell. Back to the soot and grime in that shithole that we call a town. As he just laughs. <laughs> right, Troop 202. Let's get in. Wait, hold up. And Padre looks in his pockets. He checks his shirt. Oh, motherfucker. I seem to misplace the keys. <laughs> Isn't that funny? The, oh, shoot. What's it called? The part that flops down. It's got a mirror in it. Oh, God. <laughs> the sun visor. <laughs> yes, thank you. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, are they in the sun visor? Einstein. IRL, your audio cut out. I did not hear a word you said. He just told you, Bobby just told you to do more push ups, Einstein. Don't lose so many games. <laughs> this relationship's going to be so much fun. <laughs> but yeah, Padre goes and checks Big Bertha. It's just, and as you all are chilling outside, you just once again hear this eclectic motherfucker as Padre comes out. Well, boys, good news and bad news. Good news, it's still early enough in the morning where it's not hot as hell. The bad news is we need to find those keys, because if we don't, we ain't getting home. And y'all are going to be sweating like... Oop, no, not gonna say it. There are children present. Let's just say you're gonna be sweating a lot. Sweating like a pig at a barbecue? No, I was about to akin something to a particular type of woman in church, but y'all, even I won't cross that line. As he says that, uh, I start to open my mouth and then quickly close it. You hear a, oh, you mean? No, All right, boys, I'm going to need y'all to see if you can help me find these keys, because we ain't going anywhere until we can find them, and then we can start Big Bertha up. I immediately check under the van to see if he might, uh, as he was getting in, he might have dropped the keys. Like, the, uh, sometimes you, uh, this has happened, IRL, I would have my keys on my lap, and I would start to get into my truck. It would slip off and I wouldn't know it. So I immediately check under the van. Okay. So you check the van and the keys are nowhere to be found. So you, Gabriel, begin to look around the campground and the rest of you spread out a little bit. Okay. So I would like all of you. I would like y'all to roll me. Let's see. I would like you to roll me a brains check. To see if you can use your brain power. That's my strong point. To see if you can use your brain power. Damn, it looks like Chris is still going. (laughs) Alrighty. So let's start in. So let's start. (laughs) Alrighty. Let's just put it on the record. Alex, what did you end up getting with your brains? I I, I don't know what you're talking about. You know what Uh, I'm talking about. I rolled a one. (laughs) Gosh dang it. And what I say earlier about my bo- my luck with botched rolls, oh, I was okay. doing so well Monday. Jeez Louise. All righty. CJ, what did you end up getting? I rolled a two. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I am going to play into this friendly rivalry so hard. It's going to be fantastic. Oh, my God. Okay, it uh, makes my Mikey, Yeah. I-, I wasn't here when you was explaining the dice rolls and everything. What is it that I got to do? So you are rolling for brains. So whatever dice you gave your brain stat, you're going to roll. If you roll the maximum number on the die, so let's say that your brains is a D10. Let's say you roll a 10, you roll it again, and let's say you get an 8. So then you add those two together. 10 plus 8 is 18. 
and you keep rolling like that. Let's say if you get another 10, your second roll, you keep going until you don't get the max again. And then you have to add all those. Like almost like last night when uh, Mikey rolled four natural 20s in a row. (laughs) He's so sore about that. That is something, we'll talk about that after the show, I'll tell you, Kellen. It was a sight to behold, especially for because of my house rules. Yeah, that'll be something we talk about, because Lord knows it's all downhill from there. Anyway, tune into the Academy, sh- shameless plug, go check that out. <laughs> Alrighty, let's see. Artie, what did you end up getting with your brains? I got a three. What the hell? <laughs> we got one, two, and three. Bobby, I swear to God, if you got a four. I got a 19. Oh, hell yes. Thank gosh, because this was going to go. This is, No, failure is always fun. And then finally, Gabriel, what did you get for brains? I got seven. Hey, that's not bad considering I only got a D4 in brains, okay? That is true. Which is what I love about this mechanic system is even the stat with the smallest die has the potential to do the biggest amount of work because it's easier to get a higher number on a smaller day. Even the dum-dum uh, can be big brain sometimes. We call that an epiphany, kids. Alrighty. CJ, Artie, Alex, and Gabriel, the four of you spreading out looking for the the keys. Don't really have any luck with it, so to speak. And uh, Alex, since you rolled a one as you are looking for the keys, Alex, you t- take a misstep and you fall flat on your ass into the creek that you are exploring next to in the bushes. So now you are a big pile of soaking wet clothing and teenager-ness. <laughs> I walk over to help him out because mm. that guy. Oh, Gabriel, you're a sweetheart. I apologize in advance what's about to happen. <laughs> Foreshadowing. That's called but yeah, the rest of you don't have any much luck. Bobby, however, with yo, with your high roll, it feels because you worked on Big Bertha so much over the however long it's been since you've been a part of this troop, you feel like you have a connection with Big Bertha, which also means you have a connection with those keys somehow. And as you are looking about You look at the ground, you look at your eye level, and then you look up a little bit, and then your eye catches something as something shiny is like blinding your eye. And as you put your hand over to take a look, you see something glinting up a tree where you see a lone singular squirrel just going in this tree. And it goes inside where the glinting object is. And in your brain, you can put and you can use context clues to figure out that this fucking squirrel took the keys and it put it in its hidey hole up this tree. Are you fucking kidding me right now? This fucking little motherfucker. Are you fucking kidding me right now? Hey, hey Padre. Come over here a minute. Yes, Bobby. And Bobby's going to stand, right? He's going to cross his arms. His eye, he's still looking up at that tree, up at that, like, squirrel nest, right? He crosses his arms slightly, and he's be like, you, you ever have a squirrel pick your fucking pockets before? 
Podrick thinks about it. Now, are we talking metaphorically, literally speaking, because Padre no, has because, lived a couple of lives? No, uh, nah, because literally this fucking squirrel picked your fucking pockets. He's got your fucking keys and they're up in his fucking nest right now. He's sharing them with his fucking wife. <laughs> you know, who knows however many fucking bastard kids. And Padre just looks up and it's just, are you fucking kidding me? As uh, Gabe helped Alex get out of the creek, depending on how far the creek was from, how far am I from then when... Bobby tells the Padre. I'll say that you're within earshot, so like a good maybe, I don't know, 10, 15 feet or so. No, I just want to make sure I'm within earshot. Yeah. So Actually, y'all are in what, earshot. What Bobby will do, what, once once Padre sees it, he'll be like, hey, fucking Troop 202. Guess what? The fucking squirrel stole our fucking keys. Yeah. Upon that's hearing that, right there. upon hearing that, Alex just goes, well, that's nuts. Gabriel face palms. Alex, I'm going to award you a brave token. <laughs> hey. So, fun fact. So, actually, Amador, you would be familiar with this system since you played in that Kids on Bikes okay, that we had a few years ago. Oh, I, it was such a great time. It was hilarious. But in this game, because it is run on the Kids on Bikes system, in this particular game, there is a token economy known as Brave Tokens. So what Brave Tokens do is every Brave starts with one at every session, and they can earn a Brave Token when they fail miserably. So actually, Alex, you get one for failing miserably for falling into the creek. And I am going to award you one just because I'm a very punny guy and I crack up easily. And I always love to reward my players for just being goofy, silly, and doing some badass things. So you and currently this, ne- have three. <laughs> okay, I was about to say, we, I just want to make sure I heard right. We do start with one even before the ones I earned. Okay. Yep. So we you all start with one at the beginning of each session. And then I, if I feel like giving you more because you're awesome, or if you earn them for failing miserably, then you will get some for that. What Brave Tokens do is you can spend them on a roll each brave token gives you a plus one or during downtime or as or moments of quiet as this game likes to refer to you could actually give tokens to a community pool for all of you to use or you as a brave can spend a brave token to help another brave with their action but you have to narrate how it helps them so just to keep something in mind but yeah so as you all converge to this tree and you are all just looking up at this squirrel's nest in the tree with the keys inside Padre just looks at all of you I ain't fucking going up there I'm too old alright Troop Toe 2 let's put our skills into action so which one of you is going to go up and face the squirrel I look at Alex's should we do it? I was going to volunteer to climb the tree. Because pretty much, like, when I was trying to build, he's pretty much, like, he, he can climb. Yeah, climbing's also one of my skill patches, too. Hey, All righty. Watch out for the fucking scorpions. I bet you those fucking squirrels are friends with the fucking scorpions. You mean, like, that thing at your foot? What? <laughs> Bobby will jump up and... Where's the fuck? Yeah. Oh, you fucking... Uh, yeah, have fun climbing up that fucking tree. I hope it... Pokes you right in the fucking nose. I go to They're give Gabriel a high five. Scorpions, so. I, would, I would also be careful of weak branches. You don't want to get a concussion. 
says the one who almost took my eye. You're getting on a tree. You could have stood back from me swinging. Either way, can I use my botany skill patch to help coordinate them to get on, like, the sturdiest branches? I'm going to say yes. Now, how well you're able to communicate this information, that's going to be a different story. So, using your book knowledge, so to speak, let's see. Artie, go ahead and roll me a brains, and because your skill patch does help in this situation, you get to add a plus three to it. Yes. Okay. I do have a question for Alex. Okay. Don't you also have a skill patch in, in ropes and knots? Yep. Okay. We could use a rope as like a, I guess you can say like an anchor. That way, if you were to slip or something, one of us, me, could be like an anchor so you don't completely fall out of the tree. Can you use multiple skill patches in a roll or just one? Good question. So, that is a good question. So I so for each role, you can only really use one skill patch for you, but you are able to combine your patches in like a succession of, a, I guess, a combo breaker, if we're going to call it that. <laughs> okay. Combo breaker. Alrighty. So, so, I mean, if I use my rope one, I won't be able to use the climbing one. Yeah. Okay. That's alrighty. Artie, what did you get? I got a six. I rolled a three. <laughs> Plus three to six. <laughs> okay. So I will say that you barely made it, but that is enough because the opposition level that I had, that I gave this is a five. We're just starting out, and you knowing this knowledge won't be that difficult to recall, but damn, you barely made it. Thanks for high here. Yeah. So, Artie, you're able to communicate to Gabriel and specifically more so to Alex about the type of tree that this is, like the characteristics that it's made up of. And just from your simple observations, you're able to make a path for Alex. It'll be like, all right, go to this branch. Don't touch this one because it's rotted. So it's going to snap underneath this weight. You want to put your feet here, as you can see from here, and just basically getting all botanical with it <laughs> all righty so alex this kind of knowledge just sticks with you hmm. does it not with you i did not r realize i unintentionally made a pun oh my goodness that is amazing right. everybody i <laughs> love it all righty alex so you have been volunteered slash voluntold that you're going to be the one going up this tree so yep. would you like to proceed with this just for, I trust my dad. Well, I'm trying to think how I want to. I'm not going to use my climb patch for that. I think I'm going to go with the rope idea that Josh suggested just because I don't feel like having my character die in session one, <laughs> plummeting like 20 feet. Be like, oh. Be like, hey, how did your prologue go? It went great, but then someone died. <laughs> yeah, how fun explain that to the parents? Yeah, Padre Pio, that's too much paperwork. <laughs> Yeah, he probably just say I ran off and then scorpions got me. Damn scorpions. <laughs> Alrighty. So, so what, what would you have me roll? Okay, since you are climbing this tree and you decided to use your ropes to secure yourself and you were able to tell me that and it makes sense in the context of the situation, so you get a plus three. But since you are climbing up, I will say go ahead and roll me a brawn because you got to use that core strength to climb up this tree. 
I was hoping flight. Oh, it's going to be a D8. That's a five. And that's including the plus three. Damn! Alrighty. I will say, just already here, you barely made it because you needed that five to succeed. I'm keeping Wait, these... I can help with this. No, he met the target number. So the uh, the target number was five. So all he needed to do was get five or higher. He got a five, so he succeeded. Barely, but he succeeded. Barely. Exactly. Uh, let's see. So, Alex, as you begin climbing the tree, your other braves, as a counterbalance of the rope, just holding it to make sure that it doesn't lose slack, you begin to climb your way up the tree. And following the information that... Artie gave you, you're able to follow the path he laid out for you. And sure enough, after a few moments, you're able, you are now at eye level with the hidey hole in the tree. And as you take a look, two squirrels, a couple of like other miscellaneous items. There is a, there looks to be like a half eaten candy bar in a silver wrapper popping out. It looks like an empty soup can. But more importantly, you see the keys inside. So, as I'm looking at the hole and I see that, I actually yell down going, who, did anyone lose candy? It looks like someone left like a Snickers bar up here. But 3 is just like, so that's where it went, those mother... But uh, pretty much what I'm probably going to do is kind of move to the side of the hole just so I don't get hit in the face with this part like, as they jump up. But I'm actually going to hit the tree close to the hole to make it shake a bit to see if I can scare them out so I can reach in there. Oh, yeah. So I'll say after giving it a couple of knocks, you're able to get the squirrels to climb up further in the tree. And in no problem, you're able to grab the keys. Yep. And uh, with... Go ahead. I was going to say, as I start blaying down, I mean, I guess I don't need to knock on wood for a while. Gosh dang it. <laughs> oh, Kellen, we're going to have a great time this campaign. <laughs> I gotta make the puzzle they're available, Grant, before it starts getting to the heavy shit. That's true. Alrighty. So, as your troop lowers you down, Alex, you are able to give the keys to Padre Pio, and you are able to free yourself from the rope, throw it back in Big Bertha, and just with a big old smile on his face, is Troop Toe 2. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And just nods. Alright, boys, make your way into Big Bertha, and let's head on home. I give Alex a big fist bump. And as I'm fist bumping Alex, I yell, shotgun. Shit. <laughs> oh my goodness. News you lose. I think that shit deserves a quarter. Just saying. I dig in my pockets and I pull out a quarter. Oh, no, I turn to AJ and go, hey, you better cough it up too. What are you talking about? I don't even, even say anything. That, I'll say you said what Gabe said needed to be a quarter. What did I say? Yeah, you're, I'm not falling for that. I'm smarter than that. We could say that. And I fish out a quarter out of my pocket and I hand it over. Oh, my goodness. All righty. As you guys make your way into Big Bertha, Padre Pio at the driver's wheel, Alex is in the passenger seat and the rest of y'all are sprawled out in this giant van. So think of Big Bertha as like a yeah, think of Big Bertha as like a giant like 18 passenger like van like you see, especially in all the reality shows where they fit way too many people in them for no reason. So you guys all climb in, buckle up, and Padre starts Big Bertha up, slowly begins to exit the campground as you see the picturesque scenery 
of the mountains begin to fade into the background. And ahead of you, you start to see the signs that leads you back to good old Sequoia Falls. As you guys are, as you guys are traveling, it's about, it takes about an hour and a half to get back to Sequoia Falls. As you guys are about half an hour outside of the town, you all, you first hear what seems to be a somewhat of a large sonic boom coming from the sky. And as each of you look out the window to see what looks to be some sort of fighter jets, like flying into the direction of Sequoia Falls. And it's not just one. It looks like about four or five all headed in the same direction. Wow, it's a little early for the F-18s to be out on maneuvers today. And as you guys are looking out the window, you overhear Padre Pio say, huh, that's unusual. And as you get closer, Padre just, there's a point in the trip where in order to get to the town, there is a little bit of a kind of mountainous terrain that you have to follow before getting back to town. And there is a point within this path to get back into town where there is a spot where you can park the car and you can get like a large landscape of fall. Oh, yeah, like one of those panoramic viewpoints. Oh, yeah. So Padre stops at one of at the panoramic viewpoint for the town. And as he steps out to take a look, you all just see him just continuing to stare out of this viewpoint but he doesn't say a he doesn't say a word are we are all the braves are we still in the van or did we get out with him no so currently all of you are still in the in big bertha he's the only one that parked the car and stepped out and is looking over this viewpoint okay Hey, Alex, can you turn on the radio, please? Sure. And I'll reach over and either push a button, hit the switch, whatever turns the radio on in the van. Knowing how old this van is, it's probably turning it up. Probably. Okay. So as you turn on the radio, this would be common knowledge. I won't make you guys make you roll for it. But there is a particular station in Sequoia Falls that is the news station, so to speak. And so as you turn to that station, you just hear this kind of like the typical, like how I don't want to say old school because I don't even know if they still do it. But like the emergency broadcast system is this. This is an this is the Sequoia Falls emergency broadcast system. And just like the blaring alarm that goes with it that you are hearing over it. <laughs> yeah, they still do that on uh, yeah. on regular TV channels. Okay. Yeah, like all media outlets ha- still have to have that as a part of their setup for anyone who still uses it. Ye- yes, sir. All right. But yeah, so as you. Yeah, so you turn to the radio station and it's just saying that this is the Sequoia Falls emergency broadcast system. And then it just repeats this please evacuate to the nearest safe zone. And then it just keeps repeating that over and over again. Okay, when it says that, I make my way to the front of the bus and I hop out and run up there with uh, Padre Pio. 
Okay. What about the are rest there, of you? Oh, go ahead. Are there any civil defense sirens in the town? Because I know, and especially especially when you start getting into the mid mid the mid states where there's a lot of tornadoes, and then like out west, yeah, you get those emergency weather sirens. Yeah, that when the when those alerts go out, they turn on, and it's that that eerie like loud. Basically, sirens. world picture World War Two air raid sirens. Yeah. So does Sequoia Falls have one of those or? Oh yeah, they do. Cause and because currently Bobby's sleeping in the back. Yeah, yeah, the town does have one. And actually, now that we're discussing it, all of you can hear that siren going off in the distance <laughs> towards your hometown of Sequoia Falls. And so, Bobby, this is enough to wake you out of your slumber in the back. <laughs> okay. Can you just I apologize? Can you describe the the scene again? Okay. So currently you are at the point, which is like this panoramic viewpoint off of the highway. You guys are about 20 minutes out of town. So you do need to travel a little bit to get back into it and going down the rest of this mountain terrain before you get to the base of the town and enter it. But right now, Bobby, as you awake, you hear the radio and then you also hear the siren from the distance in the town going off at the same time. The point is, like I said, just like a panoramic viewpoint off the side of the highway. You have a guardrail and a patch of dirt for cars to go off the side so they're not blocking off the traffic on the road. And right now it is Gabriel and Padre who is currently staring out at it. So the rest of you are still in the car. So given the situation, what do the four of you in the car would like to do? So we'll get to you in a sec, Gabriel. I would like to exit and look over the look at what they're looking at from the point. Okay. So. That is what you are currently doing. So you get out of the car. Yeah, Bobby does, join. Bob, Bobby mm-hmm. does the same thing. He'll just join everyone else and just be like, what the fuck? Yeah, All so right. with TJ. All right. And then, Alex, what about you? <laughs> as I pretty much be doing the same thing, but I also, like, as I get out, I'm hearing this. Rush to my bag to have myself, see if I can get my phone out, see if there's reception and, you know, what's going see if there's anyone who's tried reaching, like, text saying what's going on. Oh, so you, you're texting. All right. No, I'm seeing if anyone's tried texting or calling me about it. Okay. Before so, I start messaging. Yeah. So you take a look at your phone, Alex, and surprisingly, you haven't received any messages or phone calls while you were gone. But the more strange thing is that you take a look at your phone and granted you're still 20 minutes out of town, but being the adventurer that you are, that when you at least hit the halfway point between here and the national park y'all were at, you do get service back. But as you're looking at your phone that there's no bars and it says no service on it either. So after seeing that... I run over to where all the others are next to Padre, looking over the view, the rail, and with my head looking at the ground, trying to mess my phone, see if I can get a signal. I just go up, going, like, "Guys, I got no bars. What's going on?" And then I lift my head up. I am looking in the same direction Padre was looking. Okay, 
So the moment that you look up, Alex, Padre and the rest of your troop looking at the same direction, and they are all just standing there silently as you see exactly what it is they're saying at. So from the point, as mentioned before, you are able to see in this panoramic view of Sequoia Falls. And again, with the mixture of the new and old, Sequoia Falls is surrounded by nice old Pueblo architecture. And in the distance, you can see the various skyscrapers and buildings and things like that. However, as all of you are looking into this, you are met with the complete opposite pillars of smoke coming from various directions that there are what look to be buildings that have fallen apart and have been decimated. There are cars turned all upside down and all over the place. You see that you just see mass destruction in front of you. And as you all look onto this devastation, you catch a glimpse of what looks to be something shining in the distance, flickering on and off. And again, I'm not going to make you roll for it. You notice that this flickering on and off of the shiny light in the distance is Morse code. And this Morse code is continuously to spell S-O-S. And when you look at the direction, you all immediately know where this is coming from. This is coming from the St. Augustine Cathedral, or church, so to speak, which happens to be next door to the house of your brave that could not make it on the trip. So without uttering a word, Padre Pio just nudges you all back into the car, starts the ignition on Big Bertha, and begins racing towards the town, heading to St. Augustine Cathedral. And that is where we're going to end tonight's episode right there. <laughs> Woo! So things are going to get intense, my friends. I wanted to, I know this is a bit of a short episode, but I wanted to use this to get you guys to RP with each other, which y'all did fantastic, by the way. I love what you came up with for your characters, and I'm excited to see how it develops. But more importantly, I also wanted to get you guys used to the mechanics, which you also did very well. But now, when we come back with the next episode, we're going to dive head first into the apocalypse. What dangers await Troop 202? What will they find when they get to the cathedral? In order to find all that out, you're going to have to tune into the next episode. From all of us here at Vibe Tribe and as the founder, I would like to thank you for tuning into Brave New Wild, a junior praise of the Apocalypse actual play podcast. Remember, take care of each other, love one another, and as always, from all of us here at Vibe Tribe, make sure to keep those good times rolling. Until next episode, we'll see you later. Ta-ta for now. This has been a Vibe Tribe production. Remember, take care of each other, love one another, and as always, keep those good times rolling. We'll see you next time.